welcome again. A um, couple of things, I suppose. Um, you have the power to create good or bad. We've been looking at through um, uh, our previous Sunday streams and Karen on uh, Wednesday gone. Great message. It was, uh, I'm going to put it in the Guinness Book of World Records for the shortest, best message. Um, but anyway, that's a joke between me and Karen. It's all good. Um, but we've been talking about what you say matters. What you say matters. And so this is kind of part two of what you say matters. You ever heard that saying where it says, uh, sticks and stones uh, will break, will, can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, which is an absolute lie. You can recover from sticks and stones and the physical bruises, but so many people do not recover from words that have been used to hurt, words that have been used to speak evil and bad over people. And see, you have the power through what you, what you say to wound, to hurt, or to bring life and bring good to those around you. You have been created in the image of God. And because you've been created in the image of God, God spoke and the world was created. And he has passed on that ability to you and I, that we have this ability, in fact, this incredible gift to speak life to those around us, to affect the world which so desperately needs good through what we say. You know, I've been asking you the question, um, are you producing good through what you say is the world around you changed and is a better place? Is your family better because of what you say? Are the people around you, your friends and acquaintances, better because of what you say? Or are you on the other side of the equation where people are being damaged and hurt and discouraged through what you say? Obviously, nobody wants to be on that negative side of it. But again, I just want to tell you, you have tremendous opportunity Tremendous opportunity to create life through what you say. Um, in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 30, verse 19 in the New King James Bible says, this is God talking to the children of Israel. The children of Israel had escaped Egypt. They had been taken now and they're in a place called the Promised Land. And uh, God was about to lead them in to this most fantastic Promised Land. And he talks to them about the power that they have for good or evil. So it says in Deuteronomy, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life that both you and your, de and your descendants may live. Think about it. God and creating the universe and making you like him and giving you this ability has also given you choice. We are not robots who are automatically programmed to behave a particular way. God and his generosity and his incredible ability to create has given you the ability to make choices. The world is not in a mess because of God. The world is in a mess because the world continues to make wrong choices and bring on it, you know, the mess that you see now. God has given you the ability to either choose life 
or death. Note that it says here also that what you say has a generational effect. He says that both you and your descendants may live. Here's the amazing thing that you have, my friend. You not only can affect the world around you right now, but you, through speaking life, through taking that creative ability that God has given you, can affect the generations that will come, can affect your children's children through the power that God has given you in what you say. Understand this. This is an incredible tool. You know, for me, the cry of my heart is that the generations after Pekka and I, that we would have implanted and sown the seeds that will be generational, that after I am dead, that good will continue to flow through my generation. After me, I mean. (laughs) So friends, understand words matter. What you say matters. You know, we looked at last week about the fact of it is very easy to let words slip off our tongue. I'm very guilty of it. But we need to be people who allow what we say to, pro- uh, to be processed through our thinking. That we process through our thinking and we guard the words that we say because we need to remind ourselves continually that what we say matters. It is so even more important If you are going through a difficulty, if you know life is a very big challenge for you at the moment, that you are careful about what you say. Because what you say will affect the future and maybe even how long you're going to stay in that challenge. Ever heard the story about people going around the mountain? You know, one of the things that happens to me, I know, is that God is trying to teach me something and show me something and that if I don't learn it, I do the round the mountain thing. James said, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, he said that, you know, count it all joy when you go through uh, various challenges or trials. James is trying to express to us, and I'm reminding you again today, that you you will go through challenges, you will go through trials. That is part of living and breathing on the planet. But you have the choice and how you handle your trial to produce good out of it or to produce bad out of it, to remain trapped under whatever your challenge is or to ride above it. And I'm telling you, my friends, one of the keys or one of the tools that God has given you to lift yourself up above your circumstance is by what you say. Because there is power in your words. Often trials are just before amazing things are about to happen in your life if you do things the right way. Words matter. What you say matters. Proverbs chapter 18, 21 through, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Again, we looked at it over the last couple of weeks. The tongue, this thing in your mouth, little wee thing that it is, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Basically, this thing has power. That word power actually means the power to bring heaven to earth. Your tongue has power. Those who love the use of the tongue will eat the fruit of it. Whatever you say, you're going to eat the fruit of it. If you're going to use it for damage, you're going to eat the fruit of the damage. Because what you sow, you reap. But if you use it, 
to speak life, to speak good. Friend, you will eat the fruit of the goodness of God in heaven coming down. The fruit that you will eat will be the most amazing, uh, fantastic, abundant life. What you say is indeed one of the keys to you living out the promise of abundant life that Jesus came to bring you. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen to our massive congregation here this morning? Okay, so now I want to go back into um, a scripture that I opened up last week, which is Acts chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 and 27 through to 31. Again, the background of the scripture, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had um, commissioned the apostles of the early church to continue his work. Uh, Pentecost had happened. Uh, John and Peter, uh, full of the Holy Ghost, went to the temple one day to pray, and a, 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 a man who had been lame all most of his life uh, was healed, and that he was made completely whole. The scribes and the Pharisees, who were the opposition to the early church, uh, got really angry and upset. They grabbed uh, Peter and John, uh, they beat him up put them in prison overnight, and then they brought them before the Sanhedrin that morning and said, dude, shut your mouths, because if you don't, you're going to get trouble. They were being threatened by the religious establishment. Who had crucified Jesus? Who were now actively working to threaten the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ, the early church. And so Peter and John had been released from uh, captivity. Uh, So let's read from verse 23. On their release, Peter and John ran away, so frightened and fearful that they found a cave to hide. Nah, sorry. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28. And they, and they did what your power and what your will had decided beforehand to happen. Super interesting statement in their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. I want to pull a few more points out of that. The church was under pressure. Remember what I said earlier? What you say under pressure matters, my friends. The early church were being threatened, uh, not only with imprisonment, but also with possible death. 
You know, in some ways, we can relate to that here in Victoria, that there are threatenings going on through the political powers that are threatening the church that are particular things we can't say. And if you do, well, we're going to threaten you, and there can be some really bad consequences. Quite interesting. Remember, what you say under pressure is so important. Everybody in your, here and everybody watching and listening to the stream, you will be at times threatened by the difficulties, as James said, through your life. But what you say matters. Here's the thing. We can learn some things about what you should say and what you shouldn't say through the early church. Heaps of people that I've met, and myself included, have been crying out at times, God, we want your power. God, we want you to do amazing things. But in order for God to do that, sometimes he has to position us into places where maybe we are threatened, but we use our muscle of faith. Never before in the history of the church in Australia has the church needed to stand strong and have the capacity to speak the words uh, of God with courage and boldness. Okay. First thing I want you to note in this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Peter and John didn't run away and hide and isolate themselves. They didn't sort of hide some corner or, or go to just a few. They went back to their community. They went back to their community and the community gathered together and there was a unity because it says they were in one accord. So that actually means there was a one mind, there was a one thinking of what they were wanting to do. And when they cried out to God, they were crying out with a common voice. Here's the cool thing. We have the power and the ability to speak words of life. And friend, when we get together and we do it together, it unlocks something even more powerful. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I'll be in the midst of them. Whatever they agree upon, I will do. See, don't let threat, don't let difficulty, don't let hard times isolate you. Join back into your community and gather together and maybe they can pray for you together because, friends, when two or three again, uh, agree, there is something more powerful than when there is just one voice. Biblical pattern. We're not meant to hide, friends. The community needs to be even more stronger through the threats going on. Don't isolate yourself. Then they use this word, they begin the prayer with this word. They, they, they address God together in one accord and they say, Sovereign Lord. When you ever, whenever you see the word sovereign and Lord, or wherever, you, wherever you see that kind of language, it is incredibly important because that in itself was an incredible faith statement. When they were saying sovereign Lord, what they were actually saying, they were saying this, God, you are sovereign. God, you are actually in control, even though these religious people are trying to shut us down. Lord, even though we're going through difficulties and life is hard, it don't matter because you are the God who is above. You are sovereign. And see, I, I thought about this. Why did they need to pray that? Why did they need to verbalize as a group of people the sovereignty of God? You know, maybe, you know, God's getting old. And his memory's going, and they kind of needed to remind God, you know, God, you said this. 
No. They didn't say it because God had forgotten that he is sovereign. But they were verbalising it because they themselves needed to remind themselves that he was sovereign. See, if you're going through a hard time, if life is being really, really difficult, you need to verbalise some things that actually will have power. And when you speak them out, not only are you speaking creative power, but you are also speaking into your life and how you think and reminding yourself, God is sovereign. And not only that, my friends, when you and I and we as a church verbalise the sovereignty of God, we are encouraging each other. We are reminding each other in the community of God is sovereign. You know, if you want to know what to say when you're going through a hard time, speak out the sovereignty of God. Because he is sovereign. He is the supreme one. Those words basically mean the ruler of the universe. You are sovereign. There are no other gods but you. You are the God who created the heavens and the earth. And nothing is too hard for my God. Understand, words have power, even more so when you attach them to your faith. That's why the Bible says to cast down all imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is this, my friends. He is sovereign and he is in control. Hallelujah. Under pressure, stick together. Under, under pressure, pray together. That rhymes. I thought it was pretty clever, Keith. Under pressure, speak out the sovereignty of who God is. You are releasing your creative ability. You are releasing and declaring something over your life. You are now speaking and bringing heaven down into the situation through what you say. Hallelujah. God is sovereign. They say this in verse 28 in their prayer. Talking of the scribes and the Pharisees and those who put Christ on the cross, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. See, this is sovereignty. God even though these people were evil, even though they had decided to kill the Messiah, in fact, God, they unwittingly were actually participating in what you had designed history to be like because Jesus had to go to the cross, because Jesus had to die in order for you and I to be set free, for in order for you and I to have a promised heavenly place. And not only that, for you and I right now in our lives to actually enjoy the promise of abundant life. See, God is sovereign. It's kind of technical in theology because we have what's called Calvinism and Arminianism. Calvinism is basically that God is sovereign and what you choose and what you do has no thing in it and that um, you know, what will be what be, will be. You don't need to preach the gospel um, because God is sovereign. But then there's another thing called Arminianism. Arminianism basically says God is sovereign, but he's also created us with choice. You understand? So God is sovereign. God has a supreme plan and is active in it, but he has also given you and I the choice. And in his foreknowledge, God has the ability to know 
are the future. Because he is not confined by time anyway. But technical, but it's all good. God is sovereign, but you have choice. Whatever is happening around you, there might be evil. We might even have governments that are hating the church and want to bring trouble our way. But friend, God will have his way. God's plan will come to pass because he is sovereign. You know, here's the crazy thing. As COVID and all those things have happened around the world, the gospel has spread like fire. Even for us here in a little country town called Yarrawonga, our influence has quadrupled in our ability to reach the world because God is sovereign and the gospel will reach the uttermost ends of the earth. Hallelujah. So you can trust his sovereignty. Hmm. What you say matters when you're under pressure. I always run out of time. Never mind. I want you to think about this in their prayer. Sovereign Lord, you know, uh, verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And then he says this, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. God enables through difficulty. God enables through threat. God does not leave you abandoned as an orphan. God has a powerful thing where he can enable you. And they knew it. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. See, under threat, through difficulty, it is very easy to speak what we think we should speak. This is too hard. I want to give up. You know, wah, wah, wah. The early church had way more reason to go wah, wah, wah and feel a little bit of self-pity than we do. Whatever you're going through, I'm not trying to demean your challenge. I'm not trying to make it feel like it's not real. But what I'm saying, my friend, what I'm saying to you, my friends, is you can overcome it. What I'm saying to you is if you say what God has created you to say, you can get on the other side of your challenge. You can be enabled by God to raise up above whatever is happening in your world. But the key is, see, note, note what he, they said. They didn't say, God, you know, you know, let us speak our word. They said, God, I want to speak your word. Because I know that when you created the heavens and the earth, as your word was spoken, creation took place. And see, even more so, my friends, when you start to speak the promises of God out, when you start to confess his word, and the early church knew that, you are unleashing incredible power. You are unleashing uh, the power of heaven. Don't say dumb things when you're under threat. If you do, get rid of them quick. Repent. God, I blew it. I'm sorry. And he will forgive you. Get back on track. Lord, my circumstance is this, but Lord, you grant me the boldness and the courage because sometimes we need courage to speak your word over my life, to speak your word over my sickness, to speak your word over my troubles, to speak your word over my marriage, to speak your word. Faith. Friend, you are a person of faith. Faith is the deep conviction that God is good, that he is sovereign, that his promises are true, and he wants the best for your life, even if you can't see it at the moment. 
you will get your conviction of faith tested. Because that's how it is. Don't fold. Get the courage from heaven to stand and speak life. Hallelujah. Amen. They said this. Give us courage. Give us boldness. And then they say this. Lord, that your hand, that your hand would become involved in our world right now. God, that your hand from heaven would reach down and reach into the situation that the hand of the creator would intervene and step into this place. Quite powerful. You know, there are three guys I'm reminded of who under trouble. There was Peter. Peter sinking. Wanted to follow God. Wanted to see great miracles happen. Then he started to sink because sometimes we will sink. And then he cried out and the hand of Jesus lifted him up. Jabez. In the prayer of Jabez, a man who had already achieved so much in God, who wanted to reach further, who wanted to have more influence, who wanted to grow in whatever God had for him, one of the parts of his prayer was, God, that's your hand. Go with me. Never underestimate what the hand of God can do, my friends. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, and in Exodus chapter 33, he said when God was only going to send an angel because he had to lead Israel through the wilderness into the promised land. He realized, friend, I don't want an angel. I need the hand of God under threat. You don't need another payment from the government under threat. You don't need the pills from the doctor. Although if you're on medication, you know, be wise. But I'm telling you, when you're under threat, more than anything else, what you need, my friend, is intervention with the hand of God. The intervention of the hand of God. You ever, um, you know, in sports, team, team sports, and out of the teams, two teams playing, and they have on the bench often what they describe in rugby and rugby league, probably in AFL, I don't know. You know that, that other game? Um, almost said evil. Whoop. Idle word, watch out. Um, they have what's called on the bench game changers. And they know these people who are described as game changers, cha uh, game changers um, have this ability or this gift that when they get on the field, now they might be sitting and watching on the bench, but they know they need the participation of these players because they will change the outcome of the game. And see, that's the thing about the hand of God. God is watching us. God is involved. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes, friend, we need the game changer. Sometimes, friend, when it looks like things are turning against us, sometimes when we think there is no other answer, friend, there is an answer, and we need the game changer, the hand of God. What does Victoria need? Well, we need more Christian politicians. Yeah, sure, you know. You know. We need politicians that will have courage. Yeah, yeah, sure. Victoria needs the hand of God. Because see, here they knew when they got the hand of God, this is what happens. God, we need your hand. 
It says this in verse 30. Stretch out your hands. See, when you get the hand, you get the presence. Because God can't be at a distance if he uses his hand. Someone can't be at a distance when they come and give you a hand. They can't just encourage you. If you, if you say, you know, I need a hand and someone comes, it means they physically get involved in your problem. The hand of God brings the presence of God. Stretch out your hand to heal. To perform signs and wonders through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. See, it's so interesting. Your words, your words when spoken that are his words, bring the hand of God. You have the power in your life because you have been given choice. The early church had choice. They knew they had choice. And friend, when you choose the right way, when you call out for the hand of God, you are enabling God to come because God is a gentleman and he has given you choice. But when you refrain from calling out to him, when you choose not to call his hand to come down, friend, he won't do it because he has given you choice. But when you have the courage, when you have the boldness, and the conviction deep within you that is real and not just kind of for the good times, friend, you can call out to a hand that is supernatural. Your friend, you can call out to a hand that will bring healing. Friend, you can call out to a hand that will cause signs and wonders because your voice and your mouth has activated life. I want you, and I believe the Spirit of God is so willing us to know me, you. Friend, you have an ability that you have yet untapped. In fact, you might even be using it to bring bad. See, in the same way, you can call good. You can call the hand of God <laughs> through what you say. You can call the enemy's hand. You can unlock the wicked one, the liar, the thief, the destroyer, through what you say. I want to inspire you this morning. Choose life. Be a person that has a deep conviction that even though when it is hard, you will go back to the sovereignty of God. You will go back to the fact that, my friend, you can call down the hand of God. You know that word wonders means to be amazed at what God does. I've had the privilege at times in my life to be amazed because I've seen wonders. Friend, he wants you to see the wonders of what his hand can do. He wants Victoria to see the wonders of what the hand can, of God can do in our state and in this nation and across the planet. Be encouraged. Join with me as I pray. You know, Jesus, you have not left us you know, as orphans. You came because we were orphans. We met you because we were orphans. But God, you have brought us into the family of the kingdom. And your promises are so true. And you didn't promise a life with no trials. Lord, you just warned us through James that we're going to face some challenges. But you didn't leave us stuck. You didn't leave us crushed. 
you called us to be overcomers. And you have given us, given us the creative power of words. Holy Spirit, I pray that, Lord, there would be a stirring in your church, that there would be stirring in homes, that there would be a stirring in this place this morning. Father of the revelation of your sovereignty and the revelation of the gift of words and the power to speak life and change the world around us. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, this morning is a great opportunity for you just by yourself. Nobody knows. doesn't have to be anybody around. Send a prayer up to him. God, you are sovereign. I want you in my life. Forgive me for all the wrong things I've done, for my sins, for my dumbness. Come live in my life. Cleanse me and release in me the power to speak life over my world. And even if you are a Christian this morning and the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of maybe some of the stuff you've been saying, it's okay, conviction is good because it's the means that God uses to turn you around from what's causing you bad. And when you feel the conviction of God, he's made a simple means that it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, take some time today. Remind yourself. Maybe take some moments to just start speaking life. Thank you so much for watching.